Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Something About Sports right here on Movement Radio. I'm Talon Williams. I'm Chip Hazard. I'm Roger Sierra. And tonight, ladies and gentlemen, it is part one of a three-part series that we are doing for Something About Sports. And these are the 30 best sports movies of all time, according to RollingStone.com. Now, an underdog team takes the field. A has-been suits up for one last time. The never was gets his or her shot to prove that they have what it takes. Well, sports movies have never just been sports movies. You know, they're they're tales of human spirit, you know, triumphing over adversity or metaphors for little kids, you know, taking on corporate Goliaths and grown-up rich kids and beating them up. And, you know, sometimes they, you know, smell like team spirit. Why the fuck did they write that? <laughs> sometimes they inspire with examples of individualism and other times they prove that a well-timed explosion is a deranged groundskeepers trying to kill the gopher. Oh yeah. Caddy shake. That's right. Uh, <laughs> so today we're going to be counting down uh, our uh, rolling stone.com's choices for the 30 best sports movies of all time. From boxing dramas to bowling comedies, surfing documentaries, and slobs versus snobs battles, uh, trash-talking basketball showdowns, ninth-inning heroics, um, all apologies to Jim Thorpe, uh, Coot Rocky, I don't know what the hell that is, uh, the Rockford Peaches and the Z-Boys. Um, it says that, Okay, and every other screen athlete slash coach slash trainer that's uplift us over the years. Uh, they said that, okay, they'll be included in the top 50 whenever they do it or whatever. Um, now, this list has been, uh, it came out, let's see, I want to see in 20, August 2020. August 20, 20, 2020 or 2015? 2020. 2020. 2020. 2020. All right, cool. So that being said, let's go ahead and let's jump straight into it. These well, is, has there been. There's only been one sports movie that I can think of that I would already put on the top list. Um, I'm just going to put it as an honorable uh, mention since it's not on the list. But uh, I think Chip can agree with me, and that's uh, Hustle, Adam Sandler's basketball movie. Yeah. I can't think of anything else that's came out between or in the last two years other than that that I would put on this list as one of the greats. I've already watched that movie six times. Uh, I, I've, I've watched it six times that first day. I don't even know how much times I've watched that movie, to be honest. Yeah, it's so good. It, I, still, it, it, I still haven't seen it yet. Uh, what you I do, man, haven't. we need to do a review. When you do, when you finally do watch it, we'll review it. Because that right, movie's that, so worth it. Well, well you, you, please I, forgive I, me for this, but, you know, my daughter keeps it on Bluey 24-7, so it's kind of hard for me to break away to, to watch. You got a phone? Say so what now? You got a phone? Yeah. Okay. Put Bluey on the phone. <laughs> yeah. And, and watch Hustle. <laughs> on the TV, exactly. That's what I do. <laughs> the phone is a distraction. <laughs> yeah. I, I promise you, you are doing yourself a disservice by not seeing that movie. All right. I will take the time. We'll make sure we get it done. And then once we do it, we'll review it and then we'll be all good. That being said, though, from uh, like what you said, from August of 2020. Uh, let's jump straight into it. Uh, if y'all want me to go ahead and take the first one, I will. If y'all, if y'all want to take it, you know, however y'all want to do it, you can take the first one. Go All ahead. right, cool. So the first one that they've uh, deemed at number thirty is No No, a documentary. I'm pretty sure we've talked about this before, um, but in case people have maybe forgotten, Doc Ellis is most famous for claiming that he once pitched a no hitter while tripping on LSD. But as Jeff Radice's documentary uh, makes clear, the Pirates hurler had a fairly distinguishable uh, career, intersecting with one of baseball's wildest decades. In the age of Afros and AstroTurf, Ellis was in the thick of what was going on, from free agency to drug abuse to debates in the media over whether black players were getting too cocky. It's an eye-opening memorial of the best and worst of Major League Baseball in the 70s. Did you guys ever check out this documentary? I still haven't. I should because it's the weirdest story to be true. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I also have not seen it. 
but it's it's definitely like something I want to see. Uh, there's just so many other things that are in the queue in front of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The movie queue is too fucking long right now. Right. It, it is, man. Um. Just, and again, for those of you who don't know, uh, again, this is just a synopsis: is that it details the life story of Doc Ellis, not just that one particular moment. Um, it talked about his career overall, uh, his addictions to alcohol and to and to uh, amphetamines, um, as he as in his efforts to help other addicts um, until he until his death in uh, 2008. Um, and they do talk about how he hit, he went and threw a no hitter while he was under the influence of LSD. Like he literally forgot he had a game, dropped acid. Remember he had a game, went to the game and threw a fucking no hitter. Like I was saying, what is he thinking? But we don't know what he was thinking. He <laughs> could don't you know imagine, what he was thinking. Could you imagine being on LSD? I mean, I've never no. been on I've never been on LSD, <laughs> but could you imagine being high as hell, trying to throw a no, trying to throw a baseball period, let alone a no hitter? I mean, throw a throw a pitch, fucking good enough for if you don't miss. Like, I mean, he could have just thrown a bunch of fucking clunkers and whatnot, <laughs> but no, he was throwing these bitches down the plate. Yeah, we're still here. In the, we're still at the top of the first inning, and we already have ninety four walks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> at that point it's on the fucking skipper for not taking him out of the game right yeah. <laughs> uh, now you you can stream this for free on uh prime video right yeah i mean a, a lot of people said that it had a pretty positive reviews um uh it's let's see uh diane uh Bodger, I want to say that's how her last name is pronounced from the Hollywood Reporter, uh, gave it a positive review, writing more than just a documentary focusing on one man's life. No, no, a documentary is not told just between the foul lines. It rounds several stories uh, together. It flexes as a window of the catalytic uh, changes of the late 1960s and 70s and also documents Ellis's substance abuse. And according to Steve Green of IndieWire, he says, No, No becomes a surprisingly successful bi- uh, biography in acknowledging the reason for Ellis's fame while showing how the, that story is just a, is just a silver, a sliver, I'm sorry, of what defines his later years. No, No exists as both a measured and vibrant portrait uh, in equal measure and, fitting, and a fitting tribute to the life of uh one doc ellis so all right yeah so go check it out if you uh, are so inclined just yeah, watch I it mean, watch it sober don't watch it on lsd i don't think it'll be, be any different don't do I don't that know. if they show his no hitter you might be able to see what he was thinking exactly hey, i don't know it's like it's like it's like dude mom it's like dude your arm's on fire wait i have an arm holy shit <laughs> i'm like i said i've never done drugs that's a lie uh, all right but anyway let's move on to the very next one on the list which one do you guys want to take the next one uh i'll, I'll go ahead and take it uh next up we're going to talk about 1996's 10 cup uh now kevin costner re- reunited with his bull Durham writer slash director Ron Shelton for this golf-themed rom-com. Now, playing Roy, the Tin Cup McAvoy, a burned-out ex-pro who tries to win the heart of a woman, played by Renee Russo, by out-shooting her boyfriend, played by Don Johnson, at the U.S. Open. The hero's sun-baked, casually philosophical air is a fine embodiment of Shelton's Duffer romanticism. Like his creator, Costner's McAvoy gets the connections between seduction and hitting a golf ball, knowing that in both cases, players can do everything right mechanically and still shank one into the rough. Uh, now, have you, either of you seen the movie Tin Cup? I did when I was younger. Um, I think 
I think maybe 2004, it was like on TBS or something, and I watched it, but it's been about 18 years. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it. And it's it's been a hot minute since I've seen it. It's it's uh, also got Cheech Marin in it. Um, but I mean, I couldn't tell you anything about the movie besides like what you were saying. I was like, man, is that the movie? Like, I was trying to remember. I was like, I do remember Kevin Costner, but that's about it. Yeah, uh, like I said, it's it's been a hot minute since I seen it. Um, other than that, I couldn't tell you anything about it no i've never I've, I've, i haven't seen it and if i have i don't remember seeing it to be honest with you um so that acid the lsd hey, i mean the lsd yep. yeah um but i mean it scored pretty good at the box office apparently it debuted at number one in its opening weekend um and it only had it earned 10.1 million and then went went on to earn 54 million in u.s box offices and $75.8 million worldwide, and it only had a budget of $45 million. Well, I mean, this was the, the mid-90s, uh, and it had Kevin Costner, Renee uh, Russo, Cheech Marin, and uh, Don Johnson in it. Yeah. So it was, This is like Kevin Costner, his height um, of popularity before he went into somewhat of a lull, and then he came back strong with uh, Yellowstone. Yeah, um, so Yellowstone might be his biggest height now, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, right. But I think um, I don't think this was even at his height in '96. Uh, was it not? Uh, I don't think so. Ten Cup was the first movie that he did after he did Waterworld. So yeah, yeah. so definitely not after his height then. Not after his height. Yeah. Before uh, his height. Well, before his uh, other height, I guess. Well, yeah. you got to think he 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 did he he played Elliot Ness in Untouchables. He played Crash Davidson Bull uh, Bull Durham. He was uh, he he was in Field of Dreams, Dances with Wolves, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, JFK, The Bodyguard. You know, he was in Wide Earp. Like and he did then, a lot of good stuff, but Waterworld fucked up. And then he did Waterworld. Then he did yeah. Waterworld. It's That's like, what I'm saying. Uh, like his first height, and then I guess this was his second height. Yeah, because you know, after that, there was the the. I think everything before two thousand and six was kind of iffy, because you had um, Tin Cup, or or from Waterworld down to um, two thousand and six, you had Tin Cup, uh, The Postman, Message in a Bottle, For Love of the Game. That was a good one. Yeah. Yeah, uh, play it to the bone with uh, Woody Harrelson and Antonio Banderas. Uh, Thirteen days, that was pretty good. Three thousand miles to Graceland, that was fucking weird. It was weird, uh, but it was entertaining to watch. Yeah. Then you had that thriller he did called Dragonfly. Then he was in, yeah. Then he was in uh, that western open range. That was good. Like I'm not a like I'm not a huge huge fan of westerns, but I did enjoy Open Range. I thought that was really good. I love yeah. westerns, and I did not like that movie that much. Really, you didn't care for it? No, it was all right. It just walking is like you the one that killed my brother. That's right, and I do it again. Boom! Right in the dome. It's like damn. He was also the the director for uh, Open Range. Yeah. Uh, then he had. Uh, what the upside of anger, and he jumped on the uh, Jennifer Aniston bandwagon with Rumor Has It, but then you had The Guardian, uh, which if you haven't seen that, that's an amazing movie. That's the one with him, Kutcher, right? Yes. What is what is that about? I, I I've never seen it. Um, I know it has to do with the Coast Guard. Yeah, it, it's okay. About Coast Guards, it's the guys who go out into the storms to save people. Oh, okay. Uh, and it, it's based on a true story. Okay. I just remember he, has, he did a movie with Kutcher about something in the water. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was really good. Uh, then he was in 2013's Man of Steel. Hold on, uh, you skipped some movies? Because they were terrible. No, 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 no. Yes, they were. No. What? <laughs> you got to go through the list. You talking about Swing Vote? Did, did you like Swing Vote? Mr. No, I was talking about the one right before that. Mr. Brooks. <laughs> Mr. Brooks. 
It wasn't bad. He did good in it. It was his uh, co-star in it that was garbage. Demi Moore or Dane Cook? Dane Cook. <laughs> Dane, oh yeah, when that, has that Dane Cook been good in anything? Uh, Employee of the month. That joke stealing motherfucker. What? What? Okay, first of all, is <laughs> comedy. They all steal jokes from each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's the here's the thing though. Yeah, you can have the same subject matter. But when you say it in the same way, in the same cadence as somebody else, that's that that's that's joke stealing. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, it, it is. You know, when you say the when you say a joke the exact same way somebody else said it, yeah, that's that's joke stealing. Now, if you put your own twist on it and use different words or whatever, okay, like yeah, we could tell. Okay, it's a, it's the same thought process. And yes, there have been situations where comedians have had the same kind of thought. You know what I'm saying? But at least they they use their own way of expressing it. But when you say something exactly the way somebody else said it, like this shit just happened, God, about four or five years ago at the Comedy Catch, there was a guy that got up on stage and every single joke he was doing was the exact same setup, the exact, exact same words, exact same scheme to an RNSJ special that, I, that we watched like four months ago before this guy came up on stage. Man, don't talk about Carlos Benzio like that. <laughs> no, he was notorious. Hell, Joe Rogan got kicked out of a comedy store in L.A. Yeah. because of him. Yeah, because what he would because what he would do is he would do somebody's closing bit if he knew the guy that was coming up on stage after him. Because most of the time, in some cases, not in, not in every case, but in some cases, the next comedian would introduce. The, the, the comedian on stage will introduce the next comedian to come up on stage. You know, I've done that a couple of times at uh, at open mics. But what Carlos Messi would do, would he was he would do the next guy who's coming up on stage. He would do his closing bit before he got up on stage. Like he would intentionally steal jokes like any. What was it? I think it was Joe Rogan was talking to Ron White. And Ron White even said that anytime Carlos Messi is in the building. We don't do anything new. We just tell old shit. Because anything new, he will take it. Yep, and he'll use it as his own. Yeah. Well, Dane Cook did the same thing to Dimitri Martin. Nobody fucking talked. And I know people don't know who... uh, uh, The majority don't know who Dimitri Martin is. And he's a little bit of an abstract uh, comedian. He doesn't do a whole lot of crazy stuff. Uh, He he does do crazy stuff. He, He... I'm talking about like from the standpoint that his shit isn't like completely out there. Like he, most of his shit's like he he has certain he's nuances. Aw- he's awkward humor. It's awkward the, humor. The nerdy, but, nerdy awkward humor. But it's still funny. Oh yeah, you know? I fucking love Dimitri Martin. But with the with, with the thing about it is because remember he did the he did the joke about how he worked, he he went into because he normally he would he would play the guitar as he was telling these stories these jokes or whatever. He's like, I walked into a shoe store. I said, hey. Do you have these in a size 11? No, but we have them in a size 9. Okay, cool. You're going to cut my toes off so I can wear these sons of bitches? <laughs> you know? And then not three months later, Dane Cook had the same joke, you know, but instead of saying, hey, can you cut my toes off? Just, hey, can you, hey, do you have a bone saw? Like he changed it up just a little bit, but you could tell that that's where he got it from. You know, meanwhile, Carlos Messi is stealing from Patricia O'Neill, from uh, fucking. Uh, uh, he literally stole from every big comedian that was making it before he did. Right. And no one. And, and the thing about it is, is that no one, no one, no one ever called him on it until Joe Rogan called him on it. And then, boom. Oh, well, Joe Rogan's, you know, he's not welcome back at the comedy store because at the time, Carlos Messi was bigger than Joe Rogan. All Joe Rogan was doing was Fear Factor. Carlos Mencia had the best comedy show on Comedy Central for almost two years. Oh, I don't know about the best. <laughs> I said for those two years. I mean, you can if you if we're going by just the numbers, he had one of the highest rated shows on Comedy Central for at least a minimum of almost two years. The first two seasons were the highest, except for maybe like the new seasons of South Park. Because South Park is Comedy Central's cash cow, regardless of however they want to, you know. You know, I wonder how long they're actually going to have it on there because I know HBO Max is doing a bunch of specials for South Park. Yeah. So, sorry, ladies and gentlemen, we didn't mean to get off on that tangent, but <laughs> I mean, you always point out that he, I mean, you're pointing out that he stole from Demetri Martin, but let's don't even talk about how he stole from literally his beginning of his career was all Louis C.K. jokes. Oh, yeah. Oh, Louis C.K. Uh, 
points that out every single time. Um, he had an episode about it in the show, Louie. Yeah. <laughs> like he, he talked about him on the show. Right. It's fucking so meta and so out there that people don't even understand it. It was great. Yeah. And then Louis C.K., we found out his jokes about masturbating in front of people was real. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Louis C.K.'s a sick motherfucker. <laughs> but anyway. But yeah, he uh, Kevin Costner was also in Man of Steel. Uh, Draft Day, which was a very... Really good movie. Really, really good movie. I've always liked... See, I'm weird. I've always liked the the front office aspects of most, like, games. Like That's why I like the NCAA games, because I really do like the recruiting part. And Madden, I really do like the, the trade-in, free agency aspect. I mean, I can simulate the fucking games. I don't care about that part. Yeah. Fucking MLB The Show. Definitely love the front office part. Bro. <laughs> Dude... Think I should have got Game Pass a whole lot sooner, dude. I'm that's I'm going back and forth between MLB The Show 2022 and uh, The Telltale Walking Dead. As of right, now. I'm going back and forth between those two right now. I'm just doing seeds. I'm just doing Road to the Bigs right now. That's what I'm doing. That's what I'm working on right now. That's what I did. I do that, but I mean, I like playing pitchers, so I I just like smacking home runs. Right. You can have your dingers. If you, I'm be throwing my 170 mile cutters. That's right. you, you ain't hitting nothing off me. I'm hitting everything. I'm Mr. Cy Young for a reason. That is till I get in the game, not 30 homers on you. 30 homers on yourself, maybe. No, I, 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 I got perfect I, games I, all day. Actually, I can't get perfect games because the fucking computer sucks at keeping perfect games. Right. Uh, no, I put it on. Um, not, I want to say it, it's the hardest difficulty. Is that veteran, legend, legend? Yeah, and veterans just below that, right? Yeah. No, no, it's Hall of Famers below that. Okay, so it goes, it go, it goes: beginner, novice, rookie, rookie, minors. Then it goes: veteran, superstar. Hall of Famer, legend. Okay, that's the difference. There's seven sentences. There's seven different that, settings. Uh, I have it on the adaptive one or whatever the fuck it is. Yeah, you mean well, the dynamic? Yeah. yeah, whatever it adapts to how you're. Yeah, dynamic. Is. Yeah, it, yeah. Depending on how well you play is how they adjust how you. Uh, yeah. Well, that I, way I, that way it makes it challenging for you. I have since started playing it that way, but I just put it on the the Hall of Fame, the the one below legend, uh, and fucking beat the Braves with the Astros 42 to nothing. And I was like, I was like, man, what is like, where's the challenge? <laughs> so then I restarted and like created my character and worked my way up. Oh, okay. This is a little more of a challenge. Yeah. Doing the actual road to the base where they put most of their actual difficulty at. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've made it to triple a at this point. I haven't made it to the, Cause you know how, like when you get in there, it's like, Oh, you know, you have to pick like, like they just give you a random team. Um, uh, I ended up getting drafted by the Kansas city Royals. I don't know how I feel about that, <laughs> but I actually know. got drafted by the Astros. Oh yeah. Yep. Um, I got drafted by the Cubs. Actually, no, no, I got drafted by the Phillies. One, two World Series, and now I'm at the Cubs. Gotcha. That's the one thing I do hate about <clears throat> most sports games is that you don't actually get to negotiate your contract because I like that kind of stuff too. Uh, right. FIFA sort of does it with your player uh, where you can have, like, have an option to like do a certain amount of like years and a certain amount of money within that range that you can haggle. But I want like, the full like experience of like your you and your agent talk, set up some like some parameters, and then like you know you get the incentive bonuses and shit like that. Right. There's got to be some kind of simulation out there that'll allow you to do that. Um, I feel like there is. I just can't remember what it was. But when I did it, like the rest of the game was too janky. Like I'm trying to find that perfect simulation game. Right. Well, it'll come along one day. You just wait. It'll come along. It'll come along when Roger creates it. I mean, I'm, I'm putting it out there for for fucking somebody to do. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> 
It's not even asking for too much. Just put a little story on your games. Right. Yeah. Well, that's technically what uh, 2K does with uh, the NBA. I mean, don't mm. they have like a story arc for almost every single season? They do, but they don't let you do your contract and stuff like that. Like, they do, but they don't. Like they, you, do, they're, they're, they, do. they give you the contract. Like, here's your contract. You'll make this much money if you sign to this team. And then you'll make oh. this much money if you sign with this team. Yep. Well, both of them are kind of lowball offers. I mean, shit. But then yeah. again, you have to look at it from 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 my perspective in the real world. Like, you know, you're getting paid almost a hundred million dollars to dribble a basketball. I think I'll think I'll be okay. You know. But they don't ever give you that. Like, I think I make uh, at the end of my game. I think I make maybe eight hundred total, and that's with the highest difficulty and having like fucking triple doubles. Right. That's a maybe, depending on how fucking good my rest of my team does. Right. Yeah, it all depends on the team, too, you know. I'm on the fucking Detroit Pistons right now. Oh. <laughs> but I'm a center, so I, could, I literally control the paint pretty easily. There you go. But we also still have Cade Cunningham, so I just pass it out when I get an offensive rebound for three, so. Right. But okie dokie, Smokey. Let's go on to the very <clears throat> next one on the list. You got it, Chip? No, it'd be me. Oh, it'd be you. Go ahead, Roger. <laughs> Next on the list is uh It's normally me forgetting the sp- the place. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Next on the list is everybody's favorite destruction of Russia, the movie Miracle. It came out in 2004. I thought it came out earlier than that, actually. I don't know why. But Miracle is in the midst of draping our sports heroes in glory. We can forget that they're not always dynamic. Uh, astounding individuals. Individuals. I can't say the word individuals today. Consequently, one one of the finest uh, attributes of Gavin O'Connor's tribute to uh, Gruff coach Herb Brooks is that it never stops reminding us that the man who led the underdog U.S. hockey team to an unlikely gold medal was no touchy-feely, heart-tugging dude. As played by Kurt Russell, Brook is a merciless merciless, uh, taskmaster Taskmaster, why can't I fucking speak today? Whipping his young players into shape in order to prepare them for taking on the fearsome Soviet unit in the 1980 Winter Olympics. Uh, Miracle isn't any less riveting because of Russell's terrific flinty performance or because we know that uh, how the movie's electric finale will end. It really makes the reaction to his team's triumph all the more moving. Um... have we all seen Miracle? I think we all have, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely one of my favorite hockey movies. It, I would say there. it's a. It, I would say it's in the top. I mean, I'm not gonna make the case, but I'm sure somebody out there can make a legitimate case that this is the greatest hockey movie of all time. Oof. I'm just saying Ooh. someone can make the case. I'm not gonna make the case. But I'm sure someone can make the case that it's the greatest uh, hockey movie of all that time. Someone has never seen Mighty Ducks. Right, that's, that's, what I, that's what I was saying. D two, come on, man. D two was awesome. D two was awesome. Uh, <laughs> I, like I said, I don't. I'm not going to make the case. I'm not going to make the case. Um, but yeah, but but I think I, I'm not going to make the case. But I understand why people would think that because it was based on real life, um, real life, real life situation of the. Uh, the miracle on ice as it was, it was, it was known. Um, and of course it was the whole thing with, you know, the Russian team. And, um, we were still, this was 1980. So so we're still kind of in the middle of a cold war in a sense, or was that a little bit before? It's still technically part of the cold war. It was still technically part of 1980. Yeah. The big, the biggest thing is that it was non-professionals playing against professional team pretty much. Right, because the U.S. wasn't allowed to use the professional players in the Olympic uh, games yet. Right, and then you had Mike Rizzioni, you had Jim Craig, like uh, you know Jack Jack Like there was a whole plethora of a bunch of no name players, you know, um, who basically had to come together, and they, you know, it was one of them things where they they won, but it felt like they felt like they were doing it. Obviously when you play in the Olympics, you're playing for your, your home country. But like what we said around that time, 1980 cold war Soviets, you know, it's like the, the entire, you know, world was rooting for the United States at that point, you know? 
Um, and the thing is, is that this is, this wasn't even the finals. Like this was this was the the semis right before because um, uh, the U.S. team ended up beating Finland in the in the gold medal game four to two. So, yeah. But we took down the big, the big you Russian took bear. Took down the big Russian bear, right? Yeah, you took down the big Russian. So, yeah. Chip, any oh, thoughts I, on this movie? I did not notice you could play the trailer for this stuff on, on this video on these yeah. Uh, blurbs. Yeah, yeah. So, what was your what was your uh, initial thoughts about this movie, Chip? I mean, I, I thought it was good. I there's not much that I can say that you guys haven't said already. So, <laughs> okay. All right, let me go back to the list real quick. Boom. Okay, so the next one we're going to talk about is all the way from 1981, and it's entitled Chariots of Fire. It's remembered today primarily for its pulsating uh, Vangelis synthesizer score and that shot of Olympians running along a beach in slow motion. But director Hugh Hudson's Oscar-winning sports drama is anything but an easy callback punchline. Re, uh, recounting the true story of two early 1920 British track and field athletes, one a devout Christian, the other Jewish. The film doesn't hinge on any single winner-take-all race despite its lead-up to the 1924 Olympics. Rather, it focuses on both of the men themselves and the temper of the times in addition to the competitive triumph and tragedy. The result is both uplifting and elet and elet why the fuck can I say that word? Elegant, there we go. Elegant look at Europe in between the world wars as well as a tribute to the stiff upper lip fortitude of england's fleet of foot um do you guys have anyone of you guys ever seen the uh, movie chariots of fire i've heard of it but i don't think i ever actually watched yeah, I it i can't say that i've ever seen it either me neither uh let me see what the thing's about here we go chariots of fire yeah it is a 1981 british historical sports drama film uh yeah it says the thi- oh okay here's interesting the film's title was inspired by a line bring me the chariots of fire from the william blank poem adapted into the british hymn jerusalem a hymn is heard at the end of the uh, at the end of the that, which is heard at the end of the film the original phrase chariots of fire is from second kings chapter 2 verse 11 and 617 in the bible um, so I'm not gonna, uh, not gonna go into complete detail, but it says, um, in Kings two eleven, it says, and it has come to pass as they still went on and talked that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and departed them as- both asunder and Elijah went up by whirlwind into heaven. Uh, and then in 617, where he goes, and Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elijah. So that's where the chariots of fire uh, comes into play. All so right. there's your... There's your biblical analogy for the day. Yeah. But this, I mean, there's a lot of biblical, um, there's a lot of biblical, um, things in here. Uh, talk, like we talked about for second Kings two eleven and six, seven. They also talked about Isaiah 40, uh, first Samuel two thirty. Uh, it's littered throughout with a lot of different, um, biblical, uh, analogies and stuff. So, but it's but it's interesting. It's interesting. All right. That being said, uh, unless you guys have anything else to say about the film, no, because we didn't watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, okay. No. All right. Uh, Who's right. ready for the next one? I got it. Uh, right. Next up, we're going to talk about 1993's Rudy. Rudy. Uh, Rudy. Yeah. Uh, forget some of the details the film conveniently overlooks. Hey, turns out that iconic Jersey scene never actually happened. And pretend that the real life Rudy wasn't charged with securities fraud in 2011. <laughs> <laughs> like all great mythology, this sports movie must be taken with a grain of salt. But when you've got a story about a hardworking, huge-hearted hero overcomes all ox- obstacles such as dyslexia, diminutive size, Coach Dan Devine to get his shot in the final home game of the 1975 season. Well, you'd be foolish to let facts get in the way. And director <laughs> David Ansage and screenwriter Angelo Pizzo, the guys who made Hoosiers, are no fools. Creating the underdog story to end all underdog stories, one that gave Notre Dame football yet another folk hero. As if, as if it needed more help in that department. Sure, foes of the fighting Irish may roll their eyes, but there's no denying the thrill of watching Rudy realize his dreams. And as far as epic gridiron stories go, it's a lot better than the legend of Ron Polis. The legend of Ron Polis. I don't think I've seen that either. I mean, I've seen Rudy before. I don't give a fuck about Rudy. Oh, okay. No. Any Uh, particular reason why? It's a fucking overrated movie for its time. Okay. Okay. I mean, I just think it's a very overrated fucking movie. Okay. Chip. I mean, I I I thought it was pretty good, but uh, I mean, not the best football movie I've ever played or ever watched. Oh no. Uh, but I mean, I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. Not not great. Like I'll give that to Roger. It wasn't great. Uh, by any means, but I don't know. Right. I, um, it says right here. It says uh, Rudy has said that the movie, uh, Rudy, was ninety-two percent true. Uh, the players did not lay down their jerseys. Rather, the team captain and one other player requested that he not be allowed to play. Dan Devine is given a somewhat antagonistic role in the film, but Devine was actually one of Rudy's biggest motivators to return to the team. The groundskeeper named Fortune is a combination of three different people. Well, there you go. All right. And after that awkward silence, we move on to the next movie. I just say like Ruby, so I mean. Right, all right. Well, so next on the list, um, one I have also not seen. Really? I I, yeah, I don't think. I don't think I've actually ever. Mm, yeah. Man, Blue Chips. No, I don't think I remember this. So, Blue Chips, 1994, basketball fanatic director William uh, Friedkin, populist. Screenwriter Ron Shelton's story of college hoops corruption was the likes of Larry Bird, Bob Knight, who's always corrupted in some way in fucking yeah. college basketball, uh, Dick Vitale, Bob Cousy, and Shaquille O'Neal, some as themselves and other as characters from a fictional West Coast University. The ever-fiery Nick Nolte plays uh, Pete Bell, a legendary coach who allows his boosters to buy him a team. Sounds like college sports in general. Uh, there you go i mean what boosters literally buy the team so i don't i mean that's what their job is to pay for stuff for the team um mm-hmm. fry can bring some of his jittery docu realism to the games through blue chips though blue chips is more exciting and is more exciting 
is its forensic breakdown of how teens cheat and of why well-off adults let their futures be determined by flighty young jocks. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen blue chips. It was it was okay. It yeah. Was, yeah, I remember um, when I I'm was in a preview uh, for it. Go ahead. Yeah, we um when w- growing up, me uh me my mom and dad and my sister we lived off of a uh, Jerome Avenue, in uh in uh at my, I was, it was like either set it was on the south side of East Lake, um and we would always drive up to um Rossville Boulevard and uh there was a uh there was a video store KC Video um KC Video that's where we would go every i think every friday and we would get uh dad would get him a couple of movies and uh him and uh, my dad and Casey were really close friends and he would always anytime the new wrestling tapes would come in he would sit he would set a couple off to the side and say, Hey buddy, your daddy said you wanted to rent these, you know? So, so I got to see all the wrestling events when they came out on uh, video or whatever. Um, but when you would go to this video store, he would always put the, uh, the posters up in the, uh, in the window to let you know, these are the movies. And I would always see blue chips that pick, like I would always, I, w- I would see that when I'm thinking, okay, that's a, uh, that's interesting. Like, I didn't know what it was at the time. It's okay. It's just another basketball movie. And then later on in life, you watch it and you know, you, you watch it and it's like, it's, it's, it's okay. Like it was definitely, I mean, it was, it was Shaq being Shaq, but he was playing, uh, neon Bodor, Bodor. I still can't pronounce that. Probably Bodor. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Penny Hardaway was also in it as Butch uh, McRae. Um, there was a couple of others. I mean, you had a whole lot of people doing cameos and stuff in it. Uh, I mean, the movie itself had mixed reviews somewhat. Uh, you know, I mean, it could it have been better? Sure. Um, but it was weak at the box office. Um uh, one guy, uh, Fred, Fred, Fredkin, I want to say that's his name. Fredkin. Fredkin, yeah. Uh, said it was weak at the box office. It's hard to capture in a sports film the excitement of real games with its own unpredictable dramatic structure and suspense. I couldn't overcome that. So, you know, which Rotten Tomato only gave it a 37 out of 27 uh, reviews. So. And Shaquille O'Neal was nominated for a Razzie Award. <laughs> Razzie yep. Awards are given to the, the worst. worst of the worst. Um, yeah, the Razzie, which was a which was a which was a, 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 a which was a made up award, but I mean it, it is what it is. I mean it is. Um, matter of fact, the latest Razzie Award winner was they did a Razzie's. They do a lot of Razzies actually. Uh, the latest one is LeBron James for Space Jam: The New Legacy. He should have got multiple Razzies for that shit. Oh, oh God! Still haven't watched it. I haven't either. Because it's it's not the same. Like uh, you you ain't missing nothing by not watching it, right? It just ain't the same. I don't know. It, it was it was pretty bad. Was it? I thought it was. Some people are like, hey, it was good. You got to go into it with an open mind. Well, I went into it with an open mind. and Yeah. But you don't like LeBron, though, do you? I mean, I can't say I don't. (laughs) The thing is, is I can't say I don't like him. I, I don't like his fans more than I don't like him, if that makes sense. Well, it makes perfect sense. Because I'm the same way when it comes to... I'm the same way, too. Like, don't tell me I'm supposed to like this guy. Like, if I like how he plays the game, then I'll root for him or whatever. But don't sit there and tell me I have to root for this person. I don't have to do a damn thing, you know? But you do, actually. Why you say that? Because everybody said so. Mm, Fuck (laughs) him. 
But anyway. Yeah. All right. So, so next on the list, uh, a very, 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 very entertaining movie. Any Given Sunday from 1999. Now, Oliver Stone once considered American cinema's reigning political uh, pro- provocateur. I won't say that's how it's pronounced. Not the ideal guy for a big football movie, right? Wrong. The director's flair for the epic serves him well in this look at a turbulent season in the life of a struggling Miami football franchise. So too does his feel for the mythic uh, desperation of his characters. Everybody in this movie is at a crossroads of sorts. Lonely, broken down head coach in Al Pacino, injured, aging quarterback in Dennis Quaid, young, overwhelmed, hotshot quarterback in Jamie Foxx, then mostly known for being a comic actor, and ruthless team owner and football uh, scion Cameron Diaz. That collective sense of anxiety and hopelessness is just one of the reasons why Pacino's uh, climatic Life's Just a Game of Inches speech to his troops has earned its place as one of the all-time greatest sports movie speeches. You guys have seen this movie, right? Yes. It's probably my favorite football movie of all time. It's up there for me as far as favorite football. It's it's top three regard like it's top three. It's up there. I think it's my number one. Okay. I I I, I can't I can't I. Mm. That's tough. There's a lot of great football movies out there, man. But the only one that's an actual like full the the truest to actual football though. Right in terms of like actual front office and how player personalities are and you know yeah. the drugs and right. That he well, had dra- to work well, dra- to the veterans and everything in between. Well, dra- well, draft day was also good too, but that was yeah. more of an event. It was more yeah. just that particular event, not not necessarily the season. The season of a franchise. It was, it was mostly that day. But even then, I think that that day was uh, that draft day was pretty good as well. Oh, draft day is really good too. I like it. It's up there. Right, um, Chip. What about you? How do you think of uh, what do you think of any given Sunday? What if I told you I never seen this movie? What? What? <laughs> you lying? I know. I was supposed to say. Oh no! We've talked about it before. Actually, I was supposed to say. <laughs> That's what I said. What if I told you? Uh, no, so I thought you say you's a liar. <laughs> I, I thought it was. I thought it was really, really good. Uh, like Roger said, you know, it's it's one of the the most true to the game movies that that's out there. Yep. Um, and yeah, I mean, golly, it was it was one of those movies, like what was that? It takes you to and the fact that there were, I mean you've had can you had cameos for from all these different players to I I guess it it gave it that that feeling of authenticity. You know what I mean? Like you had Dick Buskis, TO, Ricky Waters, um, you know, Warren Moon, Johnny Unitas, Emmett Smith, you know. And it was one of those movies where you're just, golly, like, it really made you sit back and be like, is that what really goes on behind closed doors? Like, is that how it, it really is sometimes? Yes. Like, all the, you know, like, all the headaches the coach has to deal with, all the the drama that the front office has to deal with, man, I, mm, you know, and there were other movies that dealt with this too. I mean, Jerry Maguire, was like, but Jerry Maguire was more of like the agent player dynamic. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, of course, draft day was obviously about the draft, what we just talked about, but this one was so true and authentic to the point to where it was like, you know, and they used um, the film used uh, arena league foot arena football league uh, players, um, uh, you know, to help out. Um, Cause obviously I think a lot of the NFL players at the time, probably didn't want to participate in it due to the fact that they could possibly be injured, blah, blah, blah. I know they're not playing a real game of football, but I mean, playing for me, you kind of have to play a little bit of football to, you know, or at least make it look like you're playing football um, in a, in a game, in a movie, at least even in a movie, you have to make it look like the game is like, like really like that defensive end is really trying to get to the quarterback. That old line is really trying to stop him. You know, that 
that pass has to be at least somewhat accurate to make it look, you know, uh, and I know they can do a lot with smoke and mirrors and cuts and shit like that. Um, but for the most part, they ended up, they used arena league players uh, for the, uh, for the, uh, for the extras in the movie, which, you know, gave them something, you know, it's something like, Hey, you know, I, you know, I played in the AFL for 14 years. Babe, I, I was in any given Sunday, you know, so right. <laughs> something to hang your hat on right there, you know, but yeah, uh, if anybody hadn't seen that movie, definitely go check it out. It's probably one of the best football movies out there. Um, so let's move on to the next one. Who's got it? Uh, I think it's my turn. Uh, yep. Next up, we're going to talk about Bend It Like Beckham from 2002. So caught between the old world traditions of her Indian family and the need for new world assimilation in Britain, first generation immigrant teen heroine, uh, Jessiminder Jamara, uh, also known as Jess, simply wants one thing out of life, to play soccer for her country's national team, just like her idol, David Beckham. There are a few obstacles in her way, the main one being a disproving mother who'd never allow her daughter to play such a ruffian sport. But with a little help from a player on a local team, hi there, Kiara Knightley, and a cute coach, uh, okay, uh, Jess may be able to achieve her goals. Uh, Grinder Shada's follow your dream fable won't work half as well if uh, if weren't for future ER star Paraminder Nagara winning performance and a real knack for nailing how sports can boost the self-esteem and self-identity of young women. Um, now, ha- have any of you seen this? Roger, I, I yeah. want to assume that you have. Yeah, I like it. Um, there's definitely a girl power movie. I mean, it's a good movie overall, but it's definitely a good girl power movie. Um, I think... It's definitely on Disney Plus, and I think the girls may have watched it maybe the first or second week it came out on there. Um, no, it's it's. I mean, it's cute. It's one of those like you can definitely tell, you know the it's the standard teen sports movie kind of fought like re- like regular routine of uh, right. having to you know disobey the parents for to find a, like do your love and then show them that you can do it and then you know. Everything ends good still. Right. I honestly have not seen it. Uh, didn't even know about it, to be honest, to be completely honest with you. I've never even, I mean, I've heard of David Beckham, obviously, because he's, you know, he's up there, you know, at least top 10, maybe top 20 all time, most popular soccer players, I guess. Um, but I've never actually seen this movie before. So. Yeah, I thought it, I thought it was pretty good. Um, you know, like Roger said, it, it's it's very uh, coming of age for you know uh, little girls, and it shows that you know if they put their mind to it, they can do stuff that guys can do too. Right. So it's good motivate. You know, good motivate motivational story. I think. Yep. All right. Well, let's move on to the next one on the list. Uh, go ahead, Raj. You got it? Yeah, I'm already going to say I definitely don't know about this movie at all. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, I, I, I read the uh, the name of it, and I was like, I don't know anything about that one. So the name of the movie is The Bingo Long Traveling All-Stars and Motor Kings. Uh, right. Co- co-produced by Motown Honcho Barry Gordy. And directed by pre-Saturday Night Fever, uh, John Badham. Uh, this period baseball comedy recalls the age of barnstorming when pro athletes slum met their vehicle by traveling the country to play against Rubes. It's helped by a murderer's row cast led by Billy D. Williams, a cynical businessman, James Earl Jones as a principal to activist, and Richard Pryor as a hustler trying to pass his Cuban. The movie spoofs the gimmicks and clowning of the Negro League era while making a still relevant argument for the inherently dignity, inherent dignity of workers, even those who can earn their money playing games. Oh, so it definitely must not have Babe Ruth in here. 
Oh, oh how did I know that was? <laughs> I knew you knew it. I, I you knew. Started. Yeah. I mean, it. I've never seen it before, so I can't really like say if it's a good movie or not because I haven't seen it. That'd be dis- disingenuous of me. Um. I'm looking at I'm looking at the the plot and the synopsis of it. It's um, a bunch of Negroes traveling the country to play baseball. Yeah, that's all it is. Yeah, <laughs> I do want to see it though because the cast sounds really good. It does. Yeah, Billy D. Williams, James Earl Jones, Richard Pryor. I watch it just for Richard Pryor. Richard Richard Pryor pretending to try to be Cuban? Yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) I definitely want to see that. Oh, Lord. Yeah, this... Yeah. (laughs) Me, the film got some positive reviews. Um, Several critics thought it was... But several critics thought that it could have been better. Of course, we all know who Roger Roger Ebert is or was. He wrote, Bingo Longs is fun. It's pleasant to watch, but it but it cakewalks too much on its own to the box office. Uh, Times Magazine review and said, although it never fulfills the richest possibilities in the ravish... Um, misadventures of a barnstorming black baseball team of the 1930s it does come close from time to time and stanley kaufman describe of the new republic describes the movie as a lightweight picture which is considerably fun so there you go and it has an approval rating of 87 percent fresh on rotten tomato and fuck rotten tomatoes so <laughs> the, f- the film is also the film is also the film was also nominated for the American Film Institute's uh, 2008 AFI Top 10 uh, Sports uh, Films of all time. Man, we probably should watch this. I wonder where yeah, you can watch it at. Um, Hold on. Because I've never seen that title anywhere. Uh-uh. Me neither. I mean, this, I mean, it was July 16th, 1976 when this came out. So, uh, it was Motown productions, um, directed by John Badham, um, produced by, uh, Barry Gordy and Rob Cohen. Wait, Rob Uh, Cohen from the Cohen brothers. It looks like it's on, uh, prime video. Let's see if it's for $4. Is it? Yeah, it's $4. It's, it's not, it's not nowhere to be streamed like directly. It's $4. Everywhere, yeah. uh, it may be worth the four dollars to watch it, though. Yeah, maybe. The budget was nine million, and it made thirty-three million. So yeah, it definitely made more than what it was. Yeah, right. Yeah, but again, Billy D. Williams, James Earl Jones, and Richard Pryor. Like, that's got to be. <laughs> I mean, if you don't want to watch it just for that reason alone, like I don't know what to tell you. Like, I mean. But anyway, all right. Some people boycott Richard Pryor films. No, some people can do what he said back in the day and still lives on to this day, suck his big black dick. Yep. <laughs> I'm just all saying. Right, so the all next. The last one for tonight. Yeah, the last one for tonight um, is a movie called Victory. This is from 1981. Based on the Hungarian film Two Half Times in Hell, director John Hudson's Pot Boilers star Michael Caine, Sylvester Stallone, and Brazilian superstar Pele as World War II POWs who's going to use a match against the Germans as an opportunity to escape. Everything is ready to proceed as planned, and then the players wonder if they can actually do some good by beating the Nazis on the pitch. The football um, arrogant Stallone may be a surrogate for all the eight for all the nineteen eighty 
early 1980 Americans who were just starting to learn more about the beautiful game of soccer. Uh, but watching the legendary Pele display his footwork on the field, that bicycle kick, you almost believe the soccer god could have single-handedly stopped Hitler's troops in their tracks. Do either of you know this movie, Victory? No, I never. I've and apparently the name it. is actually apparently the name is actually Escape to Victory. That's what I'm seeing yeah. on everything else. Uh, I've heard it's, it. Of it just says Victory. It doesn't say. Yeah. Um, I, I remember seeing the cover of it. Um, when I worked at the video store, but other than that, I've never seen the movie. Right. Yeah, Sylvester Stallone, Michael Caine, Pele. I mean, uh, I've never heard of it, but it's definitely one I probably should watch too. I mean, it's just some weird amalgamation of people in the movie together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, according to this, it says that it has mixed reviews. Um, it's 63% rated on Rotten Tomato. Um, it says in March of 2019, it was announced that, I don't know how to pronounce that name, uh, Jumi Kaladi Sierra will direct a remake also titled Victory. A draft was written by Gavin O'Connor and Anthony Tambakas in 2017, uh, with Tabacus doing the rewrite, uh, Gianni Namorori, I want to say, and Bernie Goldman will produce. Um, and unfortunately, that's all that it's that's all it's got. I don't really know if anything's come up with that. There hasn't been anything new since 2019. Excuse me. So, so who knows if we'll actually get it at this point? <coughs> yeah, there's there's no telling. Right. But nevertheless, um, so those were 10 interesting uh, sports movies. Um, it's strange that some of these movies are ranked in the top 30, according to RollingStone.com. I, and I don't know some of them, you know what I mean? Like you think, you know, the greatest sports movies of all time, you would know at least. Yeah, but some of these came out before you were born. That's true. Uh, well, I mean, before any of us were born. So that's that's why, you know, we hadn't heard of some of them. Uh, and then, again, some of them we, we've heard of and just haven't seen. Right. Although I really, I'm like, out of all the ones, okay, let, let me ask this question and then we'll head out. Out of the ones you haven't seen, which one are you more intrigued to watch? Uh, just out um, of these these Bingo, teams. Long, Trial, and All-Stars and Motor Kings? Yes. Yeah, that one. Yes. That one and probably uh, no, no, the documentary about Doc Ellis. That would be those. And I want to go back and watch any given Sunday just because the Al Pacino speech in that uh, was a really mean that you hear Al Pacino uh, do that speech and it makes you want to get up and fucking run through a brick wall. You know what I mean? No. Like it was really, really that good. Um, that being said, though, ladies and gentlemen, hope you guys enjoyed part one of our three-part series of 30 best movies, uh, sports movies of all time, according to Rolling Stone. Um, you know, thank you guys for joining us tonight. We appreciate you guys. We love you guys. Anything you guys want to say before we bounce out of here this evening? As always, check out movementradio.us. That is your one-stop shop for all things Movement Radio. And uh, what about you, Raj? Um... Shout outs to our great sponsors tonight. Uh, we have Audible, of course, 30 day free trial. Um, as long as you go to audibletrial.com forward slash movement radio, sign up 30 free days, get an audiobook. And if you do have Prime, you get two free audiobooks. Also, keeping up with our freshness, uh, gearanime.com forward slash movement radio. Obviously, Go in there, shop some shoes, eye mask, uh, slips, socks, um, yes. and all the good stuff. Uh, but when right when you go check out, make sure you use the promo code MOVERADIO, M-O-V-E-R-A-D-I-O. Uh, get free shipping on all your orders. Um, and obviously, also to shout out to Canva, um, who we um, who I'm using for our YouTube thumbnails still. Um 
also go to our YouTube page, subscribe. Um, yes. But no, thank you to Canva, obviously giving us a uh, great, uh, great templates and great, uh, easy to use uh, canvases on our design, especially for the thumbnails. But just go to partners.canva.com forward slash movement radio and start your trial there today. Absolutely. Uh, shout out to all of our friends in this endeavor with us. Sean Thompson at Thompson Personal Training, Jerry and Jennifer at the Chronic Conversations podcast, Andrew and Sean at the Warrior Workout Network, Ivan Montanez, twitch.tv slash Unleashed Demon, all the big homies over at These Ninjas podcast, Sean Miller with Should I Watch That, Damon Smith with Cover 2 Sports, and shout out to Rocky Spurlock, ladies and gentlemen, FarleyCon 2022 is almost here. We are less than a month away from it. August 13th at Camp Jordan Arena in East, Lake, uh, East Ridge, Tennessee, on the west of East Lake. East Ridge, Tennessee, we're going to have Ron Simmons, uh, Kyle Phillips, Larry Hanna, a lot of good, you know, if you are a fan of comic books, if you are a fan of just pop culture in general, um, come out there, hang out with us um it should be a fun day looking forward to it uh hope you guys are looking forward to it tickets are still available farleycon.com uh, uh go check out all the information again there's tickets still available uh and we're hopefully we're going to have rocky on the show here within the next couple of weeks to uh, get that uh get that uh, sorted out and let him tell you all about it and uh it should be fun uh so you know like what we, what we said Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode. We'll be right back here with part two of the greatest sports movies, 30 greatest sports movies of all time. Uh, and join us this upcoming Monday where we finish part two of uh, uh, our tw- our list of 12 uh, plot twists and video games. Hope you guys enjoyed that one. Um, so yeah, thank you guys so much. We appreciate you guys. We love you guys and we'll see you guys next time. Let's hit them with the outro. Please do not leave without leaving a like, comment, share, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Make sure you follow us on all of our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Check out the YouTube channel. Subscribe. Click that bell to get notified of our latest videos. And once again, check out movementradio.us. I am Chip Hazard. I am Talon Williams. I'm the mayor of Dub City. And this is Movement Radio. God's plan.